Welcome to What Do You Believe? You're here because you're curious. I love asking people this question, what do you believe? We all believe in something. And perhaps you're asking yourself this question and you're here because you are curious, like me. I had the honor and pleasure of speaking with Michael Roderick. I call him the business relationship guru. He knows everything about how to cultivate your network and your relationships and have them work for you uh, to optimize your success in career. I was super excited to chat with him and I know you're gonna love this episode. So thank you and welcome to What Do You Believe? Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to get a chance to chat. Yes, me too. I want to learn everything. <laughs> um, so I always start the show with the question, what do you believe? Yeah, this is a, this, this is a great question. You know, uh, I thought about a lot of different things. To I actually thought about a lot of different answers. Uh, but the one that really just like always comes up again and again for me is that I believe that all the keys to the doors we need open are in other people's pockets. Uh, I, I believe in the, throughout our lives, we have experiences, we learn things, like different things happen. And those things are often meant to give us the tools to help somebody else. Uh, I, I really think like the way that we connect with people, who we meet, the things we learn, yes, they help us, but there are so many other people who are missing that like one key piece uh, you know, of things in their life and, and opportunities. And I, and I really believe that that's, that that's what happens. We're, we're born with all these keys and these tools, uh, that are meant to be helping others, uh, and supporting others. Wow. I love this. I love that. It's like paying it forward constantly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I always like to think of it as this aspect of trying to see the world through other people's eyes. Uh, you know, whenever I'm meeting with people and talking with them, they'll tell me about their challenges or the things that they're working on. And, and I love to just go out into the world and, and kind of look through their eyes and be like, okay, if, if I were experiencing this challenge or this particular issue, who would I want to talk to right now? And how could I, you know, what could I learn or what could I, what could I help with? Uh, it's always just like a, a point of fascination for me. Wow. So what's been the, what's the biggest lesson you've learned and who did you learn it from? Wow. That's a really great question. I love that question. Um, there's been a lot, uh, but I would say probably the, the most, uh, the most powerful uh, was given to me by a guy who uh, was very, very direct uh, in terms of just like his, his personality. And he was an investor and I was meeting with him and at the time, I thought I was really, really cool because I was talking about all the people I knew and like all the connections I could make and all the intros I could do. And I've made thousands of intros and all this other stuff. And I, I really thought I was, I, I was making something pretty substantial. And he stopped me dead in the middle of my, uh, in the middle of my little monologue and said, listen, I don't care. Uh, I don't care how many people you know, uh, what I care about is how helpful those people could actually be to what I'm doing. And if you can make, if you make a thousand intros to me that are not useful, it's not going to, it's not going to help lose my number. Uh, but if you can make one intro to somebody who really is helpful, uh, then that will actually mean something. So you have to take the time to clean your pipeline was the way that he was the way that he framed it. And that 
has arguably been one of the most important pieces of advice I've ever received because it changed the way that I looked at uh, relationships because I hadn't thought before that about the importance of curation, about the importance of basically saying like, who do I want to be around and who do I want others to be around? And what experiences do I want other people to have when I introduce them to somebody uh, versus, you know, am I just throwing people, you know, people's way for the sake of being like, I'm a connector, right? Like I'm making interest. So that curating piece ended up being, I, I would say, arguably one of the best pieces of advice I had ever received. Wow. So you're, it's taken a, a more thoughtful approach to, to that introduction and really thinking about, okay, well, is this person going to get the most out of it? Does it really make sense? You, you want them to walk away, yeah, thinking this was awesome, there was an absolute connection. But speaking of connection, um, yep. you know, how do you connect in a mm. world where there is so much noise and everyone's trying to connect over social media, over LinkedIn, how do you connect in a genuine way? Yeah, I love I, I love that question. I think it's such an important I think it's such an important question. You connect in a genuine way by actually genuinely being interested. I think that the the reason why certain connections don't work is that uh, people will make a connection usually or try to make a connection usually for something that they're trying to get or something that they're trying to, you know, make happen for themselves. And they don't necessarily think about like, how would this actually benefit the other person? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of the time, I think bad connections come from this uh, place. I, I call it asking blinders, where if there's something that you like, you really, really want, if you're in a very, very high state of need, you get blinders on in regards to like everything else. So you actually don't really pay much attention to the other person and what the other person needs and what the other person's looking for, because you're just so focused on that thing that you want. Uh, and I think that the more that you take the time to understand somebody else and say, why would I want to connect with this person? When you do that outreach, they're going to see that. Like I can tell when somebody reaches out to me because they were actually touched by something that I said or are interested in me. And when somebody is reaching out specifically because they know that I know people and they want to know those people, right? Like I, I can tell uh, whether or not I'm having a conversation with somebody who genuinely is interested in what I have to say versus somebody who basically sees me as a tool to get the things that they want. And, and what I love to say about this is that people love to feel useful. They hate to feel used. And, and it, I love to feel useful. I love it when somebody comes to me and says, Mike, I'm having this challenge or I'm having this issue or, or, you know, do you know anybody who might be able to help with this particular thing? But I hate experiences where it's like, Oh, Mike, I saw, you know, so-and-so can you make an introduction with no context and no, you know, aspect of like, why are we going to have this conversation? Right. Absolutely. 
You know, it's, it's interesting you should say that. I, it is about listening to yes. present. I mean, you hear so much about this, but a lot of people don't know how to listen. And they yes. don't to be present. And what you said is they're just concerned about themselves and they're just showing up with their needs and they're not being present for that conversation to sort of really, you know, align with the person in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And active listening, active yeah. listening is a skill. Like it takes time because if you are talking to anybody, you are always at risk of going into the future or going into the past. Mm. Our brains will instantly sort of send us either to the future of like, what is this conversation going? Like what's going to happen or to the past of like, Oh wait, they just referenced something that happened to me before. And now I'm thinking about this story and like all these different types of things. Exactly. And then you're gone, right? You've missed whatever it is that they said. And in some cases it can be the most important thing. So active listening is something that we actively have to practice, right? Like we have to take the time to say, I'm going to be here a hundred percent with this person. I'm also going to recognize that, yes, I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to have moments where I am going to be pulled into the future or I'm going to be pulled into the past, but I'm going to do my best to process the information in real time and really listen to this individual. And people just, they know when they're being listened to. They know when somebody really is paying attention to them versus when somebody is just trying to sort of go through the motions. Uh, and that's, a, that's where a lot of connecting falls apart because you've got these people, like they've learned this script from somebody about how to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn or, or some other thing, and they're literally going through the motions. I, I tell people this all the time. I am the, the, the least uh, biggest fan of uh, how can I help you as an opening statement. I think that is a, the most awful opening statement you can make because you don't know the person yet. You're instantly putting them down and saying like, I'm in a position to help you, right? And you have no idea like what they're doing in their, you know, in, in their life. So like what level of trust is, is there even? in that particular, in that particular interaction. Now, if you get to know somebody and you really get to understand them and what they're looking for, then you can certainly have a conversation about what could you use support with? Where could you use help? But opening a conversation with how can I help you, I think is probably one of the worst pieces of networking advice that people give. I agree. I mean, you're not a telecall, you know, it's, that's not, uh, you know, (laughs) how can I help you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you're there to just make a telecall, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's great advice. It's great advice. Um, I'm always curious because you know, right now, you know, it's a tough time. I mean, it's a very tough time to yeah. to you know, people are going through you know finding jobs and and maybe losing jobs. Yeah. You know, how do you turn a negative into a positive? Mm. Um, you know, how in this time of, you know, all that we're going through, how do you kind of, you know, if someone was let go for a, from a job or is not really feeling like they can reach back out to people after maybe a situation gone awry, what would yeah. you do in that respect? Yeah. So I always go to what I like to refer to as the tennis novice versus the tennis pro. So if a tennis novice misses a shot, usually the game is over because now they're in their own head. If they, they are thinking about all the other shots that they could miss, they're thinking about possibly losing the game. 
and the game is pretty much over. And the reason for that is that the tennis novice is a slave to the product. If they don't get the product, if they don't win, if they don't, then everything's over. They're completely crushed. They're completely destroyed. Whereas a tennis pro misses a shot and says, okay, I missed the shot. What can I learn? Where did that shot land? Where, where was the person standing? What did I remember from the other games that I've had? And even if they lose the game, they know that there are other games. They know that they will continue because they are a pro. And the reason that they're a pro is that a tennis pro is a student of the process, not a slave to the product. So they're never looking at any sort of moment of failure or issue as failure, as falling apart. They're looking at it as new information that they can then process to do better or to find more opportunities next time. So the thing is, anytime we have a horrible experience, right? Anytime that we have a moment where everything just kind of like falls apart, inside of the wreckage are the seeds of success. For every single person who basically throws something down in disgust in, in the world, somebody else comes along and picks it up and turns it into the iPhone. Love it. Like that, and that's the thing. Like if we approach our challenges from the direction of what can I learn as opposed to what do I do now? You can completely change just your feeling of it, your your emotion around it. It just yeah. makes things so much easier. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, in terms of your story, I mean, your story is fascinating. You know, <laughs> what you've been able to do in two years. Can you talk to us about a bit about that? I, I find sure, sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer uh, in under two years, uh, and then uh, from there. Uh, I had a lot of people asking me how, um, so I had developed a bunch of workshops and programs, uh, specifically around networking and relationship building and sort of show people, you know, that side of things. And from there, I had more and more people say that the way that I would present these ideas was really easy for them to remember. So I started to develop an entire uh, other level of service where I helped other thought leaders package their ideas in that same way uh, and create what I call a referable brand. So like, how do you make it so that more people talk about you or talk about your ideas, you know, and your concepts. And, you know, that whole journey has, has been in that same sort of structure. Like if something isn't working, if something, doesn't make sense, I ask myself, like, well, what can I learn here? And how can I shift this? You know, when I noticed that the networking kind of world was getting very, very sketchy, and that there were a lot of people out there selling it, and it wasn't really working as a business model very, very well. I moved into the referable brand space, because thought leadership is really interesting to people. Right. And it doesn't uh, it doesn't have the same sort of hang ups that networking has. So, you know, I've, I've always been that type of person who if I am experiencing something and I'm not a fan of it or if I don't think it's very good, I ask myself, like, what could I do to make it better? What could I do to, you know, take a different direction with it, take a different uh, a different angle uh, with it. That's where I, I, I ran a conference for a number of years called ConnectorCom, where I brought connectors together from lots of different industries. And it started because I went to a bad conference. 
conference. And I just had this experience of, I don't want people to feel alone at conferences. Yeah. So I'm going to create a conference that makes people feel less alone. Great idea. Great idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah I've been many times alone at conferences. <laughs> right. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. 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 It's, it's wild. And it's, Conference organizers miss probably one of the biggest opportunities, which is to look at how people are feeling when nobody's on stage. Wow. Like everybody focuses on like how many speakers and like what are the breakout rooms and all that stuff. I, you should be looking at your lunch tables mm. and asking who is sitting there eating their salad dejectedly looking at their phone every five minutes. Yeah. Because that's where your, that's where your opportunities are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of like relationships and cultivating relationships, how, how does one go about tending that to their relationships and all of it? I mean, it's, it's, it's especially now when we're not facing. Yeah. yeah. I, so I think like there, there's a couple of things that are really important. One is that you need to have somewhere where you put everything. So a lot of the time it's like we meet all these different people and maybe like we've got like this handful of folks on LinkedIn and we've got this handful of folks on the book of faces and, you know, and people that we met at like coffees and like we've got this pile of people in our email, but we never have like a lot of the time we don't have like a centralized place uh, where it's like, okay, these are the people that are within my circle. Like these are the people that I have relationships with that I get to know, you know, whatever it is. So I think, really the first step is asking yourself like what relationships do you actually have and then putting those relationships somewhere and the uh the way that i like to think about it uh i i, I love this story when i was uh when i was a kid i um i had a band and i really wanted to buy a pa system for my band and a pa system was a very expensive thing uh you know at the time and uh, one of my former bosses at the time was selling a used one for about like 200 bucks. Right. And I really, really wanted this, but my parents weren't going to buy it for me. And I was really, really frustrated. And all summer I had been dropping coins in this like big, one of those like big, like Pepsi cups when Pepsi had those like massive cups before people, you know, got in trouble for having supersized things. Right. Um, so I filled up this like massive uh, cup with change. And one day I was just like, yeah, you know, I'll see if maybe the, like a little and lo and behold, because there were so many quarters in there. And so like, I ended up having close to $200 in that right. change cup. <laughs> and, but I would have never known had I not counted the change. And the thing is our relationships are the same. Like, we don't necessarily take the time to say like, well, who do I know? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? Who else would be good to like talk to about accomplishing those things? So I think like the first step is always to sort of ask yourself like, well, what are you trying to do? And do you already know people, right? And if you do, and you sort of have a group of people that you know, then it's taking the time to say like, okay, well, let me find out what do those people mean? right? Like, what are those people looking for? What could they use help with? Or what are they interested in? Or what are they excited by? And then document that, 
like I have a spreadsheet of people that I meet and that I connect with. And whenever I uh, put their name in that spreadsheet, I have notes for myself of, you know, kid loves Daniel Tiger or, you know, uh, is really interested in Marvel movies or whatever it is so that I have like different touch points that I can reach out to them and sort of be in touch with them. So I think like first off is just like putting it all somewhere so you have it. Second is paying attention to what other people are looking for and then introducing people. I think like if you, the fastest way for you to build a network is for you to actually introduce people to each other who could really benefit from knowing each other. Now I'll add one caveat, which is you don't just make the introduction. You need to ask both parties and make sure that they're both open to the introduction. It's referred to as the double opt-in intro, right. uh, which was uh, first sort of addressed by uh, Fred Wilson and his uh, VC blog uh, years and years and years ago. But the thing is, like, if you take the time to ask both parties, you make sure that they're both cool with it, and you make that intro, they're going to talk about you when you're not there. And that's going to be the first point of conversation. The thing that we often forget about is when we make an introduction, the very first point of a person's conversation is usually, how did you meet so-and-so who just made the introduction to us? And most of the time, we're talking about that person quite a bit, usually very, very fondly. So what happens is, when you start making intros, people start talking to each other about you. So then they start saying, well, I want to meet that person. And it grows, you know, from there. So if you really want to just like, like, basically like set fire to the like relationship building process, start making some intros and get people together to talk about ideas and concepts, be the person who is at the center because a lot of people don't do that work. Like a lot of people will not take the time to say, Hey, I know like five or six people who are really interesting and we're all going to get on, especially right now, we're going to get on a zoom call together and just like talk about what's going on in the world, how we're doing and what's, you know, and, and what's happening that takes effort. But if you're the one who makes that effort, now all of a sudden people talk about the fact that they got together, they had this great experience and that you were at the center of that experience. So then when they're telling their friends about it, they're like, can I come to that experience? Next thing you know, your five person thing ends up being a 10 person thing, 15 person thing, 50 person thing, and your network grows exponentially. That's great advice. Great advice. So what do you do if, let's say you have a, a friend and you, you have a friend and you're sort of your friends, but you're not like buddies, but they, mm -hmm. but they have something that could be very useful to you in your career. Yep. yep. How do you convert you know mm. how do you make the conversion from you're my friend i don't need anything from you to actually i kind of need i have an ask yeah and yeah i want to ask yep yeah so basically there are four ways to think about asking and it's easy to remember them because it spells the word dime and that is direct indirect mutually beneficial and extraordinary so most of us only ever ask directly. We only ever go to somebody and say, will you do this thing for me? Will you give me this thing? Will you make this intro? Especially to our friends, right? Like we'll just go to our friends and be like, hey, can you introduce me to so-and-so? I need this, whatever the scenario is. Hmm. And the problem is that when we ask directly, what we're doing is we're engaging the primitive part of our brain, okay? So basically we have a, a fight or flight 
mechanism in our brain. And if somebody asks us directly for something, it's as if we're being taken back to the wild and somebody's trying to steal our food. So we're literally like, ah, yeah, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I can't, I, no, I don't know what to do, you know, about this particular situation. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking to a friend, and we're asking that friend for an intro, especially if we're asking that friend for an intro to somebody who could be very helpful to us. Mm. We're actually, uh, we're causing that same fight or flight moment, right? So the friend is sort of already having that experience because they don't want to be asked directly necessarily, right? Like some people, you know, if you've known them for a really long time, they'll basically say like, yeah, just tell me what you want or just tell me what you're looking for. But most of us don't like to be asked directly for, for something because it puts us into that like feeling used category, right? right? Especially with a friend. Yes. But the other side of it that a lot of people forget about is that your friends often won't make introductions for you, not because they don't want to see you succeed or they don't want opportunities, but because their relationship with you is more important than anything else. So they're concerned if they make an intro and that intro doesn't go well, are you then going to be mad at them because that intro didn't go well? Or if they make an intro and you hit it off with the other person, are you going to leave them? Are you not going to be their friend anymore because you introduced them to this higher level per person? Like these concerns pop up over and over and over again in these direct scenarios. So what you can do to circumvent that is do what I like to refer to as the indirect ask. And in an indirect ask, what you do is you present people with a problem and you basically make them a thought partner in the solution. So you look at like, okay, you see that your friend knows so-and-so and you say, Hey, you know, I've been doing a bunch of research on this person. I think they're really, I think they're really interesting. What do you think is the best way to reach out to them? I know that you've connected with them. So like, do you have any ideas? Do you have any thoughts? And the interesting thing is that if you ask somebody, do you have any ideas? Most people are never going to say no, right? Because who wants to be the person who doesn't have any ideas? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, so a lot of time they're going to be like, okay, yeah, let me think. And what it does is it takes the brain out of this like fight or flight level up to the level of creativity. It causes you to start to be more creative with your thinking. And you can, li you limit the things you get in life when you limit other people's creativity. So if you give somebody a basic yes or no answer by asking them something directly, then there's no creativity there. But if you say to them, you know, I'm trying to reach this person. Do you have any ideas or do you have any thoughts? They get to be creative in their ideas. So your friend might even say, I know that you think that this person's the person to talk to and that they're going to be the one that's going to be the most helpful. But you know what? They're actually not. You don't want to meet this person. You want to meet this person instead. And you would never get that if you just ask them directly for that particular introduction. And that leads to the mutually beneficial, which you can go to that friend if you've done your research and you can say, you know, I saw that so-and-so really loves this particular charity and has been, you know, part of this. I'm actually also part of this charity or I also have, you know, things. And I would love to talk to them about some kind of partnership or some kind of opportunity. Do you have any ideas as to how I could talk to them, how I could reach out to them? And now this person sees that there is a mutual benefit there. So they're thinking, okay, yeah, I can pass this person along to my friend because I know that it's like, it's actually going to be helpful to them, right? It's actually going to be thoughtful for me to make that, you know, to make that intro. 
And it's a whole different scenario. Now that person feels useful as opposed to used, yeah. right? Uh, and then the final one is the extraordinary. And the extraordinary really has to do with like who we are. So most of the time when we want something, we limit ourselves in whatever that want is, right? So like if we read a book, let's just say, and we love the author, we think the author's work is brilliant. What we'll often do is rather than reach out to that author or do any kind of research or try to find that author, we'll say, well, they're just so popular and so busy, so they'd never respond to me. And what happens is we join the long list of people who have said that same exact thing about that author. Now, the thing is, most of the people who then reach out to that author are usually reaching out in a direct ask, right? Like they're usually reaching out and asking them for something, trying to get on their show, like do whatever the scenario is. So if we're the one who comes with an indirect, like a really good question for that person or a mutually beneficial opportunity, we're actually way more likely to get a response from that high level person. And in many cases, that high level person is thrilled to have a conversation with somebody who isn't just focused on what they can do for them, right? Like people, people who are in positions of power, they're constantly being hit up for that power. So like, if you're the person who's just like, Hey, I just want to talk to you. I think it'd be great to just like get to know you. There are a lot of people who will say yes. Even people you think are, are, are huge because when we think about celebrities, right? So everybody's a celebrity to somebody, but celebrity is relative to everybody. Mm. So the thing is like, you may think somebody's amazing and like they would never talk to you, but that's somebody's best friend. That's somebody's cousin. That's somebody who got drunk with somebody else in college. Like, like these things are constantly sort of moving. So whenever you're thinking about this outreach and asking or sort of talking to your friends, you know, about this higher level person, it's like, think about how could you craft that so that they get to be creative in potentially making the intro to, uh, to them for you, as opposed to feeling like you are putting them up against a wall and saying our friendship is the reason why you're going to make this intro. Ooh, okay. So, I mean, I was going to ask you, what's the worst thing you can do? I think that's probably <laughs> the worst thing you can do. Well, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you make people feel, again, if you make people feel like they're just a tool, yeah. then eventually they're just going to get frustrated and they're not going to see the relationship as really being a relationship. And I think like, the, there's a lot of bad networking advice out there, but you know, one of the bigger like bad pieces of networking advice is specifically about the idea uh, that reciprocity is like, if I do this thing for you, then I can sort of come to you later and then ask for something else for me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, if I do that and I go to you and say like, I did this thing and then I come back and I'm like, Hey, let's, you know, like now I want this thing then I didn't give you a gift. I put you in a transaction without you actually knowing you were in a transaction. So how scummy does that feel, right? It's all about how you make people feel. Exactly. I mean, that's what comes down to it, right? Yeah. That's exactly. pretty crappy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your goal is to make people feel good, right? Make people feel like it's, it's valuable and useful and helpful to be in a relationship with you, right? To know you, to be part of your world. Like that's what you want. You don't want people to feel like, oh man, you know, this person only sees me as a way to get what they want. 
you never want to be seen in that in that capacity absolutely great advice great advice i love your newsletter so i i you know when i when i get it it's like a, it's such great advice what's the what's some of your most favorite newsletters that you've written oh wow um i've written a as you know i read daily so <laughs> um it's incredible so, you write daily thank you Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I'll tell you one that got probably the most, um, the most response where basically like everybody was emailing me about it. Um, and I called it the, uh, the special dark of gratitude and grief. Uh, and it was all about, um, when I was a kid, uh, there were the, these like Hershey's bags of candy that were all mixed and special dark was like this candy that like, I just like, I just did not like, I didn't want, I wanted all the other candy. So the special dark always ended up sort of in the bottom, uh, you know, of, uh, of the bag. And what I talked about was how gratitude and grief, um, basically are those special darks for us. Mm -hmm. So like how a lot of the time we keep putting off giving gratitude and we keep putting off grieving. Uh, and I talked about it specifically in the, in the context of COVID because I was grateful for the fact that my family was, you know, uh, safe in the midst of all of that, but I was grieving the fact that my daughter couldn't go to the playground, you know, and I was grateful for the, you know, life that I had and the fact that everything was, you know, that, that everything was okay you know, uh, but I grieved the fact that I wasn't able to physically be in person with people, yes. right? Which was a big, big part of my, you know, of, uh, of my, my, my life, right? Uh, I was grateful. I actually, I lost my mother uh, uh, a year ago to cancer. And I was, you know, I was grateful for the fact that I, when she was in hospice, COVID was not happening right like I was grateful for the fact that that didn't happen but I grieve the fact that I no longer have my mother and and you know that particular email um just like I guess really hit a lot of notes for people like it really sort of caught um just like you know a lot of uh a lot of different people's emotions sort of came up as a result of, uh, as a result of sharing that. And I, and I think like, I don't know, like as a writer, that's, you want to be willing to go to the places that people often say like you shouldn't go. You know, I think that when you write honestly you remind the rest of the people in the world that they're not alone when they're honest. Yeah, because it's vulnerability. Uh, mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it's, um, you know, it's this, it, it's this aspect of so often people will create these images of themselves and, and social media has made it even easier to craft this image uh, that has no flaws, mm. right? And that image making of like, I have no flaws 
basically causes anybody else who has, you know, challenges or issues to feel like they're the only ones who have those challenges and those issues. Mm -hmm. So the more that you're able to like open up about those challenges and the issues, the less other people feel alone. And, and when I think about just all the work that I've ever done in my life, like everything that I've been about, like that's always at the heart of it is I don't want other people to feel alone. So whether it be that you're going to come to an event or whether it be I'm going to make an intro or whether it be I'm going to help you take your idea and make it better, you know, from a thought leadership standpoint so that more people are listening to it or paying attention to it. The goal is for you to not feel alone in that particular scenario and that's like at the heart what what really drives uh, the work that the work that i do even when i was i have a podcast and when covid started i specifically just did solo episodes for i think probably about 15 weeks where all i did was talk about the things that i was doing and the things that i was learning that helped me get through what was going on in the hopes that other people who were out there who might have felt alone or might have felt like they weren't, you know, like they were challenged by all those issues, didn't feel alone. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. So what about this idea of feeling alone that really strikes a chord with you? Yeah. I think it, it comes from the fact that I've felt alone right? Like I've had those like really, really intense, you know, really, really intense moments. So I've been the one at the conference who, you know, sat at the table and nobody talked to, right? Like I've been the kid who, you know, was, you know, at the, you know, at the lunch table playing with his, you know, playing with his action figures when everybody else was having fun. Like, you know, I've been the person who's been at the party and worried about going up to people and talking to them right? And feeling like I didn't belong there. I've been there. And the thing is, like, if you've been somewhere, and you've overcome it, you have a responsibility, at least in my opinion, to help other people understand that it can be overcome. And that for me is always at the heart of things. It's like, if I've learned something, it's not just for me. It has to be for other people. It has to be to help them not have that same experience. I was talking, I had, a, I had a coaching client the other day where we talked about this, where we talked about the fact that if you don't show up in the world and you have something to share, you have something to help people, then what you're doing is you're walking into a room, you're stepping on a nail, and then you're sitting there nursing your foot, and then you're watching every single other person walk into that room and step on that same nail, and you're being silent. Wow. Let people know that the nail's there. It's that's a great analogy. It's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I everything that I believe is you just said, and it's so true. It's 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 the discovery that we have to pass on and pay forward. And and you're right. It's it's the knowledge of of all of these things and and uh, the struggle. Um, there's a, we struggle for a reason, and and there is always a reason, right? for that. There's always a good reason and whatever it is. And that's sometimes hard to, well, there's a good reason. Really? I'm in pain. Well, yeah. Like you said, a lot from that pain and you can help others not feel that pain. Yeah, exactly. This has been an incredible conversation. You're, you're just a, 
I mean, I love you. Oh, thank you. Remember, very kind. You must talk to Michael. I said, absolutely. And she was right. You are so inspirational. You're and just inspiring and wonderful. And just the way that you speak, just, you know, you... You, you you immediately made me feel so comfortable and and I I'm in I'm just so grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. No, no, thank you. These are these are not easy conversations sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, and and you make it you make it easy. You just make it easy. So I'm grateful to have you in the world and on my podcast. I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, um, so let's talk about, just before we all go, you have a newsletter. And yes. tell everyone what that newsletter, the, how they can subscribe to your newsletter so that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I have, uh, so if you just go to my website, which is smallpawnenterprises.com, uh, you can sign up. I have, a, um, I have a thing called Hang With Your Heroes. It's a handbook. Uh, that will break down all sorts of like really interesting uh, relationship building principles. And when you get the handbook, you get an invite to uh, join the daily email. And uh, basically I write Monday through Friday and I riff on these ideas and I just kind of, you know, think about a lot of these concepts and share them and, and share uh, things that my friends are working on, things that I'm working on and uh, just always, you know, happy to be helpful. And, and also your, your relationship design, your, I mean, is yes. Right. Uh, so everything is yes. on the website. All your offers yes. are on the website. Yep. And the yeah. Exactly. Everything's on the website, and yeah, the podcast uh, is just uh, access to anyone podcast.com. You can go and check that out, and there's lots of content there. And always happy to be, you know, helpful in whatever ways I can. Thank you for listening to today's episode of What Do You Believe? Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We very much appreciate your continued support. Thank you.